Hi, I'm Heidi Bragg, and this is Life, Cancer, Etc. The goal of this podcast is to connect you with resources that will improve your life so you can be happier, more resilient, and less stressed. Ever since I was a kid, I've learned a lot from stories, whether I was living vicariously through someone else's heroic deeds or learning through someone's cautionary tale. They had a lot to teach me, and I think they helped me be more resilient because I saw what other people could accomplish and work their way through and come out the other side of. My friend Tay's story is probably one of the most poignant you'll ever hear. What happens when your nightmare comes true and your kid's diagnosed with cancer? Hi, everybody. Today we're talking with my sister in every sense but the biological, Demetria Gibson, and friends and family call her Tay. So Tay and I met, gosh, over eight years ago when we had recently moved to the Atlanta area and my sister called me and said, my friend that I love dearly, Tay, has a son who's been diagnosed with cancer and they need help and they don't know anybody and they're new in the area. If there's anything you guys could do, that would be great. And so we went over and I don't, I think, I don't know, Tay, like the first day I just felt like family. Right. Right. From the start, from the start. Totally felt like family. And so, um, Tay, why don't you tell a little bit? Of Of course, that's awesome because my phone's going to do that. I told you guys, this is very, very underproduced, but um, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself and then tell me about Quinn. Sure. Sure. So um, thanks for um, introducing that great introduction, (laughs) which which I feel like awesome, even though I'm like, this is my sister, but okay. (laughs) So so I'm uh, Demetria Tay Gibson. Uh, My friends and family call me Tay. I'm originally from Nashville. Um, I've had the opportunity to live in a variety of different places with my amazing husband, Mark. Um, We lived in- And he is amazing. He is absolutely amazing. We um, have lived in um, the Rio Grande Valley, which is where I did Teach for America with um, Kate, um, who's Heidi's sister. I- um, We've lived in Chicago, and then we moved to Atlanta. Um, I've had the opportunity to be a teacher, to serve an, in administration roles, um, before ultimately going into law school to become an attorney. So that's a little bit about my long journey of a background stuff. Um, and then for Quinn, I always start by by saying that Quinn is my second child. I have four kids. I have Devin, I have Quinn, Dylan, and Maxon, and Quinn happens to be in heaven. And so um, Quinn is actually my rainbow baby. So after uh, we had Devin, um, Mark and I lost a set of twins, and then uh, which was absolutely devastating for us. Um, but we knew that there was a plan for us and that, you know, whatever God's will was for us, that was going to be the case. Um, and we ended up pregnant with Quinn, um, great pregnancy. Everything was bumping along smoothly. We thought our family was complete. So we had a boy and a girl, and then we decided we wanted another one. And so um, as I was going into my third year of law school, um, Mark and I um, were actually expecting Dylan. Um, And so um, it's the summertime and everything's going along smoothly. I'm like six, seven months into my pregnancy. 
um, with Dylan and I look at Quinn one day and I realize that he's got a lump on the side of his face. And so I touch it and I ask him if it hurts. And he says, no, it doesn't. Um, my mommy senses started tingling. I knew something was wrong. Something was off that that wasn't normal. Um, took him to his pediatrician, um, to her credit, she looked at it and said, I don't know what this is, but I know that there's a potential that it could be serious. And so she referred us to a surgeon. Of course, this whole time I've been Googling and web and Dean. There's like a list of different things that come up from like cat scratch fever. I remember that distinctly because they were like random stray cats, but Quinn had not been around a cat. Um, and so in every Google list that kept coming up was this possibility of cancer. And so it was, you know, kind of hanging in the back of our mind that this is what it could possibly be. Um, so we go to the, we go see the surgeon. The surgeon takes one look at Quinn and he says, oh crap, but he didn't say crap. And I knew without him saying another word. The well, surgeon? The surgeon did. Jeez. Without him saying another Quinn, word. Quinn's four? or He's just? five at this point. Five, okay. He's five and had just started kindergarten, you know, just bubbly, just, you know, goofy kid. Um, and so he says that and immediately refers us to um, the Children's Hospital of Atlanta. So CHOA is what we called it. Um, and we they set up a series of different biopsies. And at this point, Mark and I had accepted that it was going to be cancer. We knew that yeah. based on the number, the sheer quickness that everybody was moving. Right. You know, they had the oncology team in um, a variety of different folks who I don't think come in just to say, Hey, and so we knew at that point that it was, that it was probably going to be cancer. The question was going to be what kind and how bad. And so, um, you know, so we go, we're going through this whole testing stuff, the whole month of October, which is obviously very, very stressful. Um, I ended up going into preterm labor, labor with Dylan and having him five weeks early. Um, and so he ended up in the, he was in the NICU. Um, and I had, I got discharged from the hospital and about a day or two later, um, from being home from the hospital, Mark was at the appointment with the oncologist and with Quinn. And that's when we got the news that Quinn was diagnosed with stage four neuroblastoma cancer. Um, and as a five-year-old as a five-year-old and that he was, you know, looking at that and hadn't, hadn't seen, haven't seen that this was possibly going to be the diagnosis, but the question of how bad at five, that made it highly unlikely that this was going to be survivable. Um, had, had he been a baby, you know, 80, 85% chance that he was going to make it, but I didn't realize that. Yep. Yep. So the older you are with neuroblastoma at diagnosis, the, the lower your chances. So, um, so that starts this journey of, you know, getting treatment and getting treatment in quickly. Um, and so Quinn at one point was in at Choa and Dylan was at Gwinnett Hospital, which is about 30 miles apart, um, still in the NICU. And so we just drove back and forth, back and forth between the two hospitals with our two boys, with Devin in the car, um, you know, trading off um, with her. Um, and she was in second grade at the time. So that was the first month of November. And that's all I remember of that month is going back and forth, back yeah. and forth. Um, and then eventually we brought them both home, Dylan and Quinn, Quinn home from his first treatment and Dylan home from the hospital the day before Thanksgiving. And so and I think what, when yeah. did we, we met you like right around then, right, right around that time. Absolutely. Right around that time. I think, I think we met you. Um, I want to say it was days, maybe a few days after Thanksgiving, which, you know, given the timing of this talk is kind of funny because Thanksgiving's next week. <laughs> so I didn't even, yeah. I thought about that. Um, so my sister calls when we called Tay and said, what can we do? And Tay said, 
Mark hasn't been able to do anything in the yard. There are leaves everywhere and he hates that. That would help. That would make him feel better. And we're like, okay. So we came over and I called people. We um, belong to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So we have churches everywhere. And so I called the lady who's in charge of women's ministry there and just said, we're doing this. Um, If you happen to know anybody who might help. And I think two of the missionaries and then Lisa and her family came. And here's the ironic, like divine intervention pieces. She had a son who had had leukemia, who was at CHOA as well. And it was just this instant, like connection, support, New whatever exactly could provide you know help and guidance and we would actually we would actually pass them at times at Choa and say hey and then um, um, at one point our kids were in the same school and um, they owned uh, the pizza shop that we went to all the time and so I mean we just this 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 puzzle of how all these different pieces came together and yeah. met right when we needed them it, it was yeah. just just amazing just amazing. Well, and we told some people in uh, in our neighborhood, at our church and whatever, about you guys and asked them to pray for you and told them we were going to be taking freezer meals over so that you would have, so that Tay would have easy stuff to do because she was still running Quinn back and forth. Dylan was tiny, tiny. Um, right. And so a bunch of different people in the neighborhood and at church made freezer meals and we took them over in coolers and they drew pictures, the kids drew pictures and it was just... They sent cards. They sent, uh, they sent like loving letters to each of the kids, just telling them that you know that they were praying for them. They were they they hoped that they were having a good day. I mean, it was just an outpouring of love, just an outpouring of love in one of the darkest times, right? To see, yeah. you no, know, there is you know there is still this loving community. Um, there are still people who love because we're called to love and who serve a father who is loving. And it, yeah, that was what we needed in that moment of time. Well, and it was, what was interesting to me is that you guys were new to the area. We were new to the area and it just, like you said, created this sense of community with people that was just, I don't even know how to explain it. It was, it was overwhelming for me from the outside, you know? It was just so cool. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. So, so we got, um, we, we went through a whole lot, a whole lot in that, those first couple of years, Um, we went through, uh, I want to say 10 different rounds of chemo, um, because, uh, Quinn wasn't really responding as, as well as we needed him to. Um, we eventually got him to the point of a bone marrow transplant, which, um, um, one of his original doctors had had looked me in the face before he um, he moved to another hospital and said, "This kid is never going to get to get to disease level low enough for him to go to a bone marrow transplant." And so my suggestion would be to take him home and love him. And he said this in front of Quinn, who's like sitting. I'm sorry, that would have pissed me off. Oh, I it did. Livid. Oh, it did. And so like Quinn's like sitting on the bed and he's like playing on a tablet or something. Dylan's in like his little stroller because he's still a little guy. And so in that moment, I said, you don't know my God. And I, I was done. I, I packed up our stuff and we were done. Um, and a month later, Quinn got the disease level low enough to be able to go to bone marrow transplant. And so um, Did you just call and go bite me? I, well, he, had, he went to another hospital at that point, but I just, 
I kept remember thinking, thank you know, God, I know that you are still answering prayers and that you are still a savior and you're still a miracle worker. Um, and so to have heard that and him to say it so dispassionately in front of my, my kid, um, I, you know, that was infuriating, but then, you know, you know, I, I didn't act ugly. I did say, you know, <laughs> you don't know our God. Um, and then, you know, we got to that point and we were in bone marrow transplant, um, in bone marrow. For those of you who don't know, you are stuck in your hospital room for however long it takes for your body to go through the initial, um, I explain it in terms of, they take you to the brink of almost killing you with it, be it radiation or if it's, um, chemo, but they take you to the point of almost killing you. And with Quinn, he was able to, uh, donate his own blood bone marrow in advance. And so they give you the bone marrow to save your life and pray that your bone marrow is going to duplicate and not kill you. And regenerate Um, in time. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, we stayed, we were in for three weeks, which was a really short stay. That was short. Was it really only three weeks? It was three weeks. It felt long, but it was, it was three weeks. And, um, Quinn was doing well the first day we got home and I have a picture of this. Um, the first thing he wanted to do when we got to the house was to ride his bike. Ride his bike. I remember that. I remember <laughs> that. Cause he had just learned before we, before we went in and it's almost like he wanted to reaffirm that he was a kid and that he still remembered to ride, how to ride his bike. And he did, and he didn't go far. He just did a couple of circles and then he came back and he was tired, but yeah. he was happy cause he was home and he was doing normal kid stuff. Um, and we I remember were, that text with that picture of him. And isn't Devin in that picture too? He and Devin are outside. They're yeah. outside. Yep. That's right. They're, like, they're outside both riding their bikes like yeah. normal kids because they weren't able to interact with each other for that entire month mm-hmm. or three weeks or so of the, the bone marrow transplant. So that was, the, I'll, I'll never forget that. Um, and then because of the, all the chemo, it, it, uh, it affected his hearing. So he had to get hearing aids. And so they um, were Spider-Man colored. They, they were, they were. And he decided that it made him look like a spy. <laughs> so, um, and we got, we were blessed to get two years of no evidence of disease mm-hmm. from that. Um, we uh, did do some immunotherapy just to try to save it off. And we got a, a, no treatments, just check-ins, checkups. Um, and then it was at, it was during a scan, which was, should have been just a normal scan we'd done. We went from having a scan every month to then, okay, we can do it every three months. We had hit the six month point. And if that scan was successful, we would only come back every year. And so we had reached that point and that's how far out we've gotten. Um, and we're in the scan doing this. It's a, just a regular CAT scan. And all of a sudden the technician who's doing the scan gets up and runs makes a phone call and Quinn's oncologist comes running down the hall. And I knew then, I knew then that like, they were scanning his head and I knew then that it was, that there was something, there was something oh, in the, the nurse um, who was walking us out was in tears. And Quinn, Quinn of course doesn't suspect any of this, but she's in tears and she's crying silently and she's trying to walk us through the hospital to get back to where we need to get to. And I just turned to her and I said, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Um, so we, we get back up and they immediately, they want to put him on like a, they want to put him on meds, these anti-seizure meds. They want to admit him immediately. Um, and I said, we've got to go home and get our stuff because, you know, we hadn't, we didn't have our bag packed anymore. Get a bag. Yeah, exactly. So we, um, went home, got our stuff and I told Mark, I stopped by daycare, um, and kissed Dylan. Um, 
because I didn't know if they were going to let him come to the hospital at that point. I know that I could talk to Devin and she would understand. Um, but we went in and that started the whole, that's, it was just this back and forth with brain tumors that went on for years. So we do a brain surgery. Um, they would remove the tumor. They'd have good, you know, edges mm-hmm. and we get a little bit of time and it would keep coming back. And that's what went on for a number of years. And so, you know what was amazing to me, though? He would do those brain surgeries and he'd be out of the hospital in like two days and back to being a kid. I just, <laughs> Kevin, I talked about that a lot. It's like he was so amazingly resilient. Right, right. I mean, that, I mean, I remember having to say, Quinn, don't flip on the couch. You just had brain surgery. So, I mean, <laughs> like, and, I mean, he had like this gnarly scar every time because it was, oh, yeah. and oh, but yeah. he, like he, he would have to say, don't run and, you know, calm down, calm down. Um, but he just, he felt great every single time, every single time. And of course, you know, that was a great blessing that he was himself and feeling right. good and interacting and playing with his brothers and, you know, every time. So, um, so that, I mean, we, um, we, after going through that, um, at, at, some point, um, we decided that it was possible we should look at moving back home to Nashville. I, for some reason, I felt the need to come back home, um, and I applied for a position here. And it was a lo- lengthy application process. Um, we ended up moving back here to Nashville uh, shortly after my mom passed away, um, and we were around family. Things were going well, and we found another tumor. Um, he had two surgeries in total brain or brain tumor surgeries while he was here in Nashville. Um, and then the final time we found one, um, his surgeon said we could go in, but he will not be the same. And, um, Mark and I were at the hospital with Quinn and we said, you know, at this point he's, he's 11, almost 12. And he's, he's well, a part of this whole process, well-versed in what's going on. Well, he c- clearly understands the implications of everything. And so we turn to Quinn and we say, hey, Quinn, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to try to take you to New York and see if we can't do some of the treatments that we have had previously and still kind of do think are, um, are really just money-making schemes for the hospital, but offer some glimmer of hope? Um that's not how we described it to him, but we said, do you want us to aggressively try to, you know, get you to New York and see if we can't do some Because it was that study. Was that a study that he was trying to get in? Okay. Right, right. Um, they had a New York Sloan, Sloan Memorial Kettering has a lot of studies that no one has but them, um, but they refuse to, to publish their success rate. And so um, they just say that they do well, but there's no evidence that they do. Mm. Um, and Quinn just looked at us and he said, nope. He said, I'm done. And I said, well, Quinn, do you know what that means? And he said, I'm going to die. And I said, well, you know, why, why are you making that choice? How, what, how did you get to that point? He said, I just think it'll be more peaceful that way. And he, his whole goal was to be able to come home and hang out with his siblings yeah. without being away from them yet, you know, towards the end of this and without all the pokes and all the prods. And so we said, okay, um, I did talk him into um, letting me try one other thing, which was proton therapy. It's radiation doesn't didn't hurt. It was just inconvenient. So we did do that in, um, in an effort to get him more time. Um, and his doctors were really honest in that, saying that they that's what they thought it, it was going to get him more time. Um, once we finished the therapy, the proton folks thought that they had got everything. Um, but Quinn was already showing symptoms from me, you know, looking back at it, that that the 
cancer had already spread. So he was having trouble breathing. Um, oh, he was saying that his back was hurting. Um, his leg was hurting. And we couldn't figure out what it was. Um, and his, his doctor, his primary oncologist just made sure that we had all the medicines that we needed to take care of it. But he never once suggested doing another scan. Cause I think at that point he didn't want to subject us to seeing how bad it was, but I think he knew how bad it was. Um, uh, we come home fast forward to like May of the same year and Quinn has a massive seizure and I, I'd never had seen anyone have a seizure, but I was like, I think he's having a seizure. I rush him to the hospital. Um, he has multiple seizures back to back. They, uh, give me the scan printout, um, that his doctors had been trying to not give to me. Um, and it showed that the, the there was still a substantial tumor there and that it actually had spread and, and it looked like bubblegum balls in his, in his brain. Um, Jeez. so it was everywhere at that point. Um, they got us, uh, they got a, a pick line in so that we could come home on hospice, um, they did that within the day, which was phenomenal. And at this point, Quinn was kind of out of it. And we didn't know if he was going to wake back up again. Um, but we knew he wanted to be home. So we got him home. Within about two days, he did wake up and started talking and interacting. Right. By like day three, he was back to like giggling and laughing and playing. Yeah. Although he needed a lot of medical support. So he needed a lot of morphine and all of that I've been you know trying to do for him. Um, we had hospice coming in to make sure everything was okay. And he was... he watched all of the office because he wanted to do that. He watched all of parks and recreation. Um, he, he like taught his little brothers how to be gamers. Um, and he seemed, you know, to be doing fine. just a little more tired. Um, sorry. The Saturday before he passed away, um, his, his, um, his, one of his doctors came by to the house at like six o'clock at night. Um, because she wanted to check on him. And I knew that that was odd in itself. Um, and we had a conversation and I asked the question out, you know, we were away from Quinn, the kids were outside playing. And I said, how much more time do we have? And she said, I'm here because we didn't think he was going to last this long. And it could be an hour. It could be 24. We just don't know. And I said, um, so, um, you know, he was sleeping a whole lot. Um, the morning that he passed, the night before he passed away, um, I always, I think I told you this, Heidi, I, I felt a shift in the atmosphere. Yeah. I felt that it was coming. And I just prayed to those who'd been, who'd left before to like be there to guide him. You know, he's still 11, almost 12, but be there to guide him, hold his hand. As he transitions to the other side. Um, that next morning, um, his dad like gets up and is having at this point to help him walk to like go to the bathroom. He asks me for something to drink. Um, he says, you know, typical Quinn, he's like, Man, I just wanted to play this summer. I just I just wanted to play. And so he sits on our couch. Um Mark is in the dining room working on some stuff and he goes to sleep and he's in my arms and he goes to sleep. And I start to notice that his breaths are getting longer. And I called Mark in and I said, Mark, it's, it's about to happen. And so we held him. We told him, we loved him. Uh, I have a special lullaby. 
that I sing to all of my babies and I sang him that lullaby and I told him he could go play and I saw him take his last breath and I swear that I saw his life leave and it was peaceful it was very peaceful um and we called his siblings in the room. Um, they knew it was coming, right? You know, we were yeah. very honest with them about it. Um, and they hugged him and kissed him, told him that they loved him. And that was it. That's um, the first part of my coin. I think the second part is just seeing the impact that his life had on others and seeing yeah. how that's going to play out and the beauty of that. Dylan wants to be about a lasting legacy. Exactly, exactly. Dylan wants to be a scientist, and if you ask him why, he's like, "Because I want to save people from cancer." And you know, I'm interested in seeing how that plays out. I don't know. So, um, so yeah, that was the first part of Quinn. But there's a second. There's a second. Well, uh, okay. For me, when things would happen that were hard after the first diagnosis or the second or whatever, I would think, well, Quinn could do this. And Quinn did this as a five-year-old. So suck it up, Heidi. You can do this. You know, really, I was like, if he can do this, if these little children can go through this and just go be themselves like Quinn I'm sorry but I'm never going to be the person who has brain surgery and 2 days later is out riding my bike right. I'm hoping it doesn't come to that but if it does yeah. I guarantee yeah, you right. yeah. I would not be out there riding my bike a couple of days later but it's like I just watching how you guys handled this too was so it just it was such a it's a wonderful example and it brought me peace and you helped me a lot because Quinn was in a good, he was in his NED phase, I think, when I got diagnosed. Right. Absolutely. He was in so, the, yeah, he was, he was hanging out. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I should, uh, a couple of friends are like, you use a bunch of terms. I don't even know what that means. NED yeah. means no evidence of disease. Right. So that right. means your scans are all clear. All your blood work's clear. There's no evidence of any cancer in your body. And so I called Tay kind of just shocked. Um. I'm like, I've got cancer. I've got to have these massive surgeries. I'm, she's like, and she gave me all kinds of practical tips, like the binder. Because oh, back then they didn't necessarily have a patient portal. That was like seven years ago. So she said, get a binder and put everything they give you, notes, CDs, the whole shebang in that binder so that you have everything in one place. Right. And you take that binder with you to appointments because trying to get records from here to there and whatever else is a pain in the butt and it doesn't work. So I did that, and that was hugely helpful. And um, I mean, just little things like this last cancer, the second cancer. Well, not the last cancer, but the cancer before. The third one, the second one, not the third one. The second one, you said, make sure you have extra sets of sheets and make sure you have a plastic cover under your sheets so that if you're throwing up during chemo, you've got extra sheets to put on because that that when you throw up, it's toxic. Exactly. So you've got to be able to get that stuff, put it in plastic, throw it in the wash, and have something else quickly to put on the bed. And you got to clean it up because those those chemo agents are really, really, really toxic. Right, right. 
oh, what else? You just gave me all kinds of like little tips. And I mean, I, I, I see there. Uh, so we had like a, um, Quinn had his own basket of meds because I mean, uh, depending on what was going on, I, mean, I did that. I had a, I had a basket. Yeah, go ahead. Yep. But I, but I saw, I saw online recently with, I'm still in like a cancer mom's group, but I saw um, where people use a spice rack to put their medicines in. Oh, like that's smart. That, that's the turning around. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well that, that would have been cool. That would have been really helpful. Um, yeah. You know, that and the, you know, when in the midst of it, like always having a bag packed mm-hmm. of stuff that, you know, like if, if something goes south, like. I'm I'm still going to have like the bare necessities of comfort that I need. So I'm going to mm-hmm. have, you know, I'm going to have sweats. I'm going to have, you know, changes of underwear. I'm going to have like a separate lotion and socks and stuff. If I, if we have to go to the hospital and stay unexpectedly, like just yep. having that on hand was always very helpful. And it was obviously on my, the stuff I would need and the stuff Quinn would need in case we had to go. And I would have mm-hmm. like little snacks in it that were non-perishable um, or, you know, or just, you know, due dates that were, way off, but you know, little things that I knew he would eat and in case we got there and they weren't serving dinner or whatever. So, or just cause sometimes this stuff is gross. Let's face it. You want food. You want it. I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and our rule was that Quinn could have whatever he wanted to eat because we wanted to keep him. um, He was a little guy at one point he got super, 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 super tiny. um, And they were, uh, we had to do TPN for a couple of days in the hospital. What's that? Um, It's uh. Uh, it's a uh, total, it, it means that you're getting all your nutrients from fluid. Okay. Through your IV. Um, okay. And something, so, some, total something nutrition, but yeah, I don't remember what the P is. Okay. Total, uh, I can't remember what the P is, but it's something nutrition. Um, but yeah, so he's, he's had, he had to do that for a couple of days and it, and it was helpful. Um, but, um, you know, we, we were always trying to make sure that we kept his weight up and um, that was critical because if he, if he didn't have enough you know, fat on them to fight. That was not a good thing. So, right. Yeah. They, at one point they told me that cause I was losing weight pretty quickly. And during radiation, they mm-hmm. do this plane by plane map of your body for your radiation. And you have to stay within this like five pound up or down window. Right. Or it screws up the map they've made of your heart. And then you end up getting radiation or for me, it was my heart, but you get up getting radiation to the wrong parts of your body. So we were talking to the nutritionist. I'm like, yeah, but I'm trying to do this. She's like, right now, it's about calories. That's right. it. Mm-hmm. So, and she said the same thing. Anything that sounds good to you to eat, eat it because yeah. you've got to keep your <laughs> calories at a good level. Right. But it's just it, having, I wouldn't wish this on anybody. I wouldn't wish it. I, and I can't imagine, you know, I've lost a sister. I've lost my father. I've gone through it myself, but I can't imagine it being my child. Yeah. I I think, I think the, the hardest part is that, for me, I think it's it's so difficult and so hurtful and so horrific that it's hard for people to even get their mind to even try to flip and imagine that this is their child, right? Like it is yeah. it is that it is a it is a living, living nightmare. And I don't care how many times you've seen it on TV, I don't care, you know, there's there there's just not enough words to express how horrible it is as a parent. Um, one, because, you know, this is happening and you, you would gladly trade places with your kid. You right. gladly do that, but you're also making care decisions for somebody else and your decisions are going to impact, you know, how well they do. Ultimately, God has the final say, but you, you're given all these different options and you're told to sign off on, you know, we think that this chemo is going to work, 
but you also get all the possible side effects. And with chemo, always a possibility of death was what right. we sign off on. And so that, that, that constant trauma of that is so very hard to like, to put into words. It's, um, it's, it's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. And then there's also for us, like the, we have, um, we ended up having Maxon as well. So I think I told you about Devin and Ditlin, but um, uh, we had two years after Dylan, we had Max because we're crazy people. Um, <laughs> but um, it's adorable though. I mean, yeah, yeah. completed our family, definitely completed our family. Um, but um, yeah, you just, you, you so you're balancing the needs of a baby and your older children. I mean, and, and Devin, Lord love her. She, She's She's such a good kid. She is. She is. But I also, and she's so mature. And I wonder if she's, if she's mature, more mature than what I would expect because of having lived this experience. For sure. And don't you think? think, Oh, I think so. I absolutely think so. Um, I, I, it's interesting to hear her talk about it. Like someone, you know, I think one of her teachers, uh, kind of flippantly asked, Hey, has anybody ever gone through anything traumatic? And Devin said, my brother died this summer. And so that, you know, that kind of like shut down whatever, I don't know what the segue was, was going Jeez. to be, but, um, but yeah, she's, she's really open and upfront about it. I like that about her. So, well, and she's great. And, and I can't sing Mark's praises enough. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's done. He's been amazing. I mean, um, like I was in my third year of law school, actually I was supposed to go into my last semester when all this happened. And so I stopped everything to make sure that I could be full time and do everything that we needed to do. And Mark, that meant Mark had to, you know, we were looking forward to me being a practicing attorney and what that was going to mean for our family. But Mark had to bear the burden financially of the entire family and make sure that, you know, supporting me, we had like little terms that we called like kits for us was like cry in the shower. <laughs> Because those are the moments where, like, okay, I've had it. The right. we were trying to be like so strong for the kids, and so, um, you know, just you know, he was like very honest about things that he was comfortable doing, things that he wasn't. Mark, just the idea of him giving Quinn a shot was not. Like, he just could not. He's not a needle guy. He's not a needle guy. He's not a needle guy, and he he's not big on medication. So he'd much rather like hydrate than take any medication for like a cold or the flu or anything yeah. like that. So, you know, having to get, having to get used to seeing his son take such, you know, a plethora of medicines at any given point in time. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely been something that, um, you know, we, we went through this battle together. So, um, yeah. And I, I assume, you know, there was negotiation in there. Like, like yeah. what if, were there ever times where one of you thought one treatment was better and the other thought the other one was, and how did you guys negotiate that if that happened? It, it, it did. So we, um, we would be given different options and we would spend time talking about the different options. Um, they would give us uh, packets and say, okay, here, you know, here's plan A and here's plan B. Um, and so we take them, we take them, we both read them. We'd read through the different side effects. We'd know, okay, this is, and then we talk about it and decide, okay, this is what we feel more comfortable doing. There are some, most of the time though, we were at a point where we're like, oh, of course we're going to do this based on like our our baseline that we'd set. So our biggest thing was like, we wanted him to have the best quality of life that he can have for as long as he can have. And so, you know, which is part of the reason why the Sloan piece, the Sloan uh, treatment options just never seemed to work for us because they always, they one, they had to be done in New York. Um, two, it meant, you know, very long stays. Um, we P.S. Worked- you have three younger children. Yeah, exactly. three other children. Exactly. So, 
Um, I mean, a common thing we saw about folks that did go to, to, to Sloan is that they would routinely say you're going to be here for three weeks and then you'd end up there for six months. And Mm so, you know, having learned that from other parents, we knew that was not going to work for our family. So, um, but yeah, like it was that constant communication, constant, constant open communication about what's going on. Um, and then being advocates. So there, there, you know, there'd be times where I would, you know, I'd be really tired and I would say, Hey, you know, they've made a mistake on this, this, and this. And so I would articulate, this is the problem that's happened. I'm really tired. And Mark would say, that's okay. And he would come up to the hospital and and say, look, this is what needs to happen. And he would be, you know, that authoritative figure when I was tired and, and vice versa. So, um, but yeah, we, yeah, we've got some, but I think that made us so much more close knit as a family. So Mm -hmm. we have our own little Gibson tribe things that we do. And I think that's because we're so used to, you know, working together as a team and working together as, as one family. And just, I don't know, you're just amazing. Uh, and I know people say that. And when people say that to me, I'm like, what else was I going to do? Yeah, I didn't you know. <laughs> I get that. But I, I see you guys and I watched you guys handle this with a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of faith. And 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 here's the other thing. And I don't know how you would characterize this. Ow, sorry, my leg's cramping up. You're fine. Um, so how did you balance all the things Quinn had to have? I mean, literally life or, life or death needs that this child has. And then you've got Devin, and then you've got Dylan, and then you've got Max, and you're trying to take care of the things that are, you know, absolutely critical needs and then balance all the other stuff. Because you guys, I don't know, I just, when you'd come over or we'd come over, or even when we'd talk, it just still, it didn't feel like Quinn was being taken care of at, at the to the detriment of everybody else or at the exclusion mm-hmm. of everybody else. It never felt like this. It felt like this is just one thing our family's dealing with. Right. How did you, how did you strike that? I, I think, I think the biggest thing is that we try to be really honest with our kids. Yeah. And so um, we didn't, we used real terms. We talked about, you know, this is what's going on. And um, we have a, you know, a family calendar is a desk calendar where we like write stuff down and we write, you know, Devin's um, got a, she's got a concert down right beside, you know, Quinn has a medical appointment, like all of that would be on the calendar. So it was really open. Um, and everyone had, you know, their stuff that was on it, but they, we've got, we are blessed to have really good kids who just, you mm-hmm. know, for Dylan, you and, do. Dylan and Max, they've never known a time where Quinn didn't have cancer. And so that, you know, there's nothing for them to compare to Devin, Devin does. And she does remember that, but for her, it was, I don't think she thought we were taking away so much as like, no, they've got to do this because it's really important. And, um, but you know, we, we say, you know, we can do hard things. That's one of our family sayings. We can do hard things. Um, and so, you know, like just keeping that mindset and being really honest to say, Hey, Devin, I know that you have, uh, if I had to miss something or if Mark had to miss something, like I know that you have a concert Dad's going to be there and he's going to FaceTime it. So I can see the concert while I'm in the hospital with Quinn. Um, so we would, you know, try to be as present as we could be, but at the same mm-hmm. time supporting his needs. Um, and then, um, you know, at, at home, like Quinn was never like a, Hey, me, me, me. Like he was always so gracious. And so like, you know, like fitting right back in and, yeah. um, you know, if they all wanted something different to eat, like he wasn't like, Oh, I need to get mine first because I need my calories. No, he just, you know, he'd wait his turn and, you know, get in line. And I mean, yeah, he just, he just, wasn't it hot dogs for a long time? Was it, it hot was, dogs? Hot dogs and boiled eggs at one that point. That was the, okay. And I was like, 
Oh, oh I love you, child, but that is just gross. <laughs> that is just gross. It went on for like it went on for like two months. Yeah. But he gained like ten pounds. And well, so, so what so who cares? Yeah. But the house smelled like boiled eggs for two months. <laughs> so that was <laughs> yes. That was so one funny. of the random things with Quinn. So um oh I just thought of something else I was gonna ask you. Mm, I can't remember. So what are things what are th- I'm going to ask you a couple things because I did kind of a Q&A thing on Facebook and asked people, what are questions you wanted <clears throat> you'd ask somebody? And one person, actually Rhonda, a friend of mine from work said, what are the things that people say that you really wish they would stop saying? Things you don't want to hear or things that are helpful for you to hear? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say one of them is um, um, God doesn't give you more than, you, than what you can bear. Dude, I That's hate that. not true. <laughs> He doesn't give us more than what he can bear because he's right there with us. Yes. And so that, um, you know, for some reason that always just rubs me wrong. Um, Cause it's, I'm like, yeah, that's really easy for you to say right there. Thank you. And, and you know, they mean well, but right. you also just kind of want to go. Oh, right. That's not, that's not it. That's not it. Um, I would say also the, um, Oh, when, when people, like when people, when they hear about Quinn and, you know, I, I might, you know, do a, obviously a, a very brief version of his story and say, yeah, you know, he was a great kid, still is a great kid. Um, you know, he did die from cancer, but, you know, we got to have him for almost 12 years, um, which to me, I always feel like signals like, you know, I don't want to dwell on that. He it's not that cancer had Quinn, you know, he just. Yeah, yeah. It was just, a, it was just one thing. Um, but when they are more interested in talking about like the gory details, if you will, as opposed to hearing about the joy of being it's like, let's celebrate. You want to celebrate his life with me. That's one thing you want to get into the nitty gritty. What it's like when your kid's vomiting all the time and everything. I don't have time for you. No, no, that's not. Yeah, no, that's not it. Um, so that's, so, so definitely that, um, I think, um, he, what's probably not so helpful is, um, someone saying, and I, I get it, but someone's saying, oh, well, my father passed away from cancer or my, I, I'm not, I don't want to devalue that because that's a lived experience. And, you know, so, and I think a lot of people think that that's like a connecting, um, but at times it feels like it's a competition for you to tell me how many folks, you know, that have died mm-hmm. from cancer. So, um, yeah, that's the, um, probably some of the ones that I don't like at all. Um, yeah. Well, you know how cancer's touched our family multiple times, but I still can't, I cannot imagine having to go through that with my kid. I just can't. There's, I mean, it's I like, I like having you go through it and you might hear some noise in the background because the boys are rambunctiously coming back in. Um, but like, like having gone through that with Quinn and then to find out when you first got diagnosed, I was just devastated. Just, just, devastated. Um, I, re- I remember exactly where I was. I was standing in our garage and I was just so devastated because I did not want another person that I loved to have to go through it. Yeah. And you've been such an amazing force to reckon with. And you've done an amazing job of sharing the honesty and the truth about what this process is like. Mm-hmm. I just like I applaud you in that because I think there's a lot of fear and people asking about different things that, that, you know, 
you know, well, what about this and what's that? And I think all that's been going on, but it's still, um, it's still very, very painful. It makes me angry to, you know, at cancer, like, you know, why yet another person, why yet another person? Yeah. So, um, that's always, yeah. That's always oh, I thought of another one. I love it when people, when people say, if there's anything I can do, let me know. I won't let them know. It's not going to happen. But if somebody says, if you need a ride to chemo, you call me, or I'm going to bring you some freezer meals, or do the kids need a ride home from school or do they need a place to be after school? Because you just don't have the bandwidth to figure out what that thing is. Absolutely. You're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. Like I, like I am so, you know, in that moment, I am so focused on, 10,000 different things. I cannot help you come up with something like I like give me something specific and I can let you know, yes, they need this or they need that. Right. But like, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. I know you're coming from a great place, but I just don't have the mental space for it. I don't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't. So yeah, that's been, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree with you. Just means if you want to do something for somebody, pick things you're willing to do, give them two or three choices. And let them, and then do it. And let them choose and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's the best. That is, that absolutely works better. I mean, so, you know, our, our next, our next door neighbor is battling cancer and it's very, very serious, very, very serious. Um, And before Quinn passed away, um, they heard our kids have been playing with each other. So they, they knew what was going on. Um, And she just said, you know what, we're going to start a meal train and just put a cooler out. And I was like, okay, I hadn't even thought about that, but okay, great. And so we didn't have to worry about that. And, you know, so taking something and saying, I can do this, let me check and make sure you're okay with it. And then just going with it. That's, that's the best approach, I think. Honestly. Oh, for sure. I agree. Okay. Um, all right. Now, fun things, bucket list items. What are some items that are still on your bucket list? Oh, besides coming to Florida post COVID. (laughs) Right. right, When it's not the hot spot of COVID. Uh, Um, I definitely want to go to Ireland. I've always wanted to go to Ireland. I, you know, I just think I, I want to see the grass and see if it's as green as people say it is. And I definitely want to do that. Um, I want to take the kids to Europe and um, visit a couple of places before they're like off and grown and, you know, yeah. doing their own thing. So the, the window on that is narrowing, especially with Devin being 15. But I know. Uh, yeah, I know. So I definitely want to do that. Maybe we can do that together. That would be awesome. That would be super fun. That would be super fun. Oh gosh. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. No, 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 no. no. What else? You got to come visit us in Oregon. I've got to come visit you in Oregon. Yep. Yep. I want to, um, are you guys going to, are you thinking about if ever going back to like being by the beach? Uh, you mean li- when we're there? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Cause we're only like, it'll only be like an hour and a half or something. Okay. Hour and twenty minutes. Oh yeah, for sure. And it's and it's that dramatic Pacific coastline that's just gorgeous with lighthouses and forests right. and yeah, yeah. Oh awesome. yeah, awesome. Yeah, that sounds beautiful. That sounds beautiful. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, oh yeah, your favorite place to be, and you can pick more than one. I pick two or three. Um, so my favorite place is actually inside. It's here in Nashville, inside of the Opryland Hotel. They have a rainforest inside of the um inside of the hotel. Is that the Gaylord whatever hotel? Yes. yes I stayed yes. there. Oh my gosh, that place is gorgeous. It is absolutely amazing. And so, um, like one of my favorite places to be is just sitting in there. Cause it's, it's like this whole, like it's, it's the rainforest, but then the technology that makes this all possible. Like I just sit in awe of like, you know, not only things that like man has made, but that God has made. And it's to me, it's like this, I don't know, this, uh, 
this compliment compliment of both sides. And so that's one of my favorite places. Um, I, I would say the mountains. I love, love the mountains. Mark and I met in Knoxville, um, which is in the Smoky Mountains. So being in the mountains and hiking with nature around. Yeah. Oh, we're so going to do that in Oregon. Okay, go ahead. Any place else? No, no. Those are, those are my top two. Those are my top two. Um, I just, I just love you. I just love you. I love you too. And I, I've noticed your hair. <laughs> like I have not seen you in so long, but I seem like you've got a ponytail. <laughs> no, no. It's just the, it's the post chemo grow out. That's so <laughs> ridiculous. So I've started wearing wraps a lot of the time and <laughs> But it's so exciting. It's so exciting to see the red hair. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it, I think it's a little bit dark. Uh, instead of like it's strawberry dark. blonde, it's more dark. Yeah. It is darker. So It's interesting. Cool. Tay, thank you so much for doing this. Because I think, I think people don't ever want to um, cause pain to a parent who's had, lost a child to cancer. Right. Well, lost a child. I don't like saying lost. You know what I mean. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Quinn still lived his life and, and on his terms. And I just love that about him. But I don't think anybody wants to cause pain, but I think it helps people to understand the process a little bit so that when or if the, someone they know or someone they love comes up against this, they have some kind of expectation about how it's going to go, what to help, questions to ask, those kinds of things. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and I wish I we, we had great people to talk to, but many of whom were had dealt with um, like, you know, older kids or adults. Um, now Lisa, her son, um, he had, he went through, uh, leukemia, but he didn't have to go through nearly as much and nearly right. the sheer amount of different treatments that Quinn had. And so, um, I would have loved to have had somebody to say, you know, bounce ideas off of and hear about, you know, okay, so what did you do with your kiddo during that time period? So absolutely. I'm happy to do it. I think her, did her son get married? I think so. I, I think, think so. he did too. Which is huge, huge. So well, and I just, I am thankful that you are in my life. I really am. Uh, God put you here. That's that's all I have to say. You can't get rid of me now. So, Oh, <laughs> don't want to. You're stuck with me forever. There you go. <laughs> no wonder at all why I love Tay and Mark and their kids so much, right? As you think about kids like Quinn and their families and look around your own world, please look for the good count your blessings, and make it a really great week. Thanks for listening.